0: Everybody and welcome to the Scott Seven podcast. Uh, my name is Scott, and uh, today I'm going to be talking about the um, the information that's been coming out of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, for those of you who are unaware, um, just probably about a week ago, um, there was some information that came out. There are two newspapers. I'm, I believe they were. Let's see. The Houston Chronicle and the San Antonio Express News uh, ended up publishing a report that there were, um, since 1998, there were 700 victims um, of basically sexual misconduct or sexual crimes Um and the people who perpetrated these kinds were Southern Baptist leaders, and nearly about 400 of these leaders have acted in these, um, in the sexual misconduct. Um, and that's, that's, that's significant. Like, and to me, it just hurts me because, you know, for me being a pastor, anytime when I see any type of misconduct that's happening or any type of abuse that's going on it 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 really just it really just irks me in the heart it really just gets me angry it gets me upset because you know this is the type of stuff that shouldn't be happening in the church um you know this is the stuff that if it is happening in the church it should been it should have been done by you know, either people outside the church or even just maybe someone who was in the church who, you know, in my opinion, may not have had their heart entirely set on the Lord um, and has kind of gone astray to act in this um, inappropriate behavior. But um, I'm just blown away by this because um, just reading this um just reading a couple reports, you know, um, in the New York Times, that actually interviewed um, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, a J.D. Greer, who, um, you know, I've read a couple of his books and I've seen a couple of his teachings on like right now media. So I mean, I don't know him personally, but he seems like a good guy. But I'm I'm reading his article and he addresses that there's a problem, but then one of the things of actions he's calling since this information came out is um, background checks for of people before they're ordained. And I'm scratching my head on that because I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're ordaining people to be leaders of a church and you have not done a background check on them? Where I know when I went and got ordained, I had to get a background check and I still do get background checks. Like almost every year I get a background check um, just to make sure that everything is up to date. Everything's kosher that, you know, I'm not, you know, there's not any like issues or crimes that I've committed that I'm kind of hiding from my congregation, that everything's kind of transparent. And, and even in cases where people did have a criminal record, an ordination process, then there's an extra step of just talking about it, what happened, kind of understanding. And basically, really, there's a bunch of procedures in place that if somebody who has been convicted of a crime, and I'm just saying crime broadly, I'm sure if there are specific um, things like sexual being a sexual offender, you're probably not going to be ordained. Um, Even if you've kind of repented um, and you're clean for five years, there's probably – I don't know, maybe it's just an American stigma. I'm not sure, but, you know, I'm sure that there's some other things. But then I'm looking at other stuff that they want to do, uh, develop a curriculum to train ministers about sexual abuse and a possible database of offenders and a study group on sexual abuse. Um, And then there's a study group on sexual abuse, which was created last year, offered the proposal. So when I read that, I go, "Okay, if it's a problem then why wasn't it tackled ahead of time? Why weren't you transparent about it? And maybe they were, and it's just now kind of blowing up now because it seems like there's a lot of other stuff going on, like with um, the Catholic Church in Pennsylvania and and all the stuff that was happening over there with sexual misconduct. But I I'm I'm blown away by this. I, I I'm it disturbs me, and especially being someone who who had a family member who was a minister who was very abusive to myself and my sister and my family like and like my mom and dad um when i was younger like to me that's something that needed to get take care of because i mean let's see i was going i when i was going to church and all that stuff happened with me it was like late 80s early 90s um so like You know, this is something that should have been done. And I don't know how one gets ordained into the Southern Baptist because I would figure they were like the most strictest of all. But apparently it seems like they're not doing background checks on anybody. So that concerns me. And I think the issue of it, and I've been talking to a buddy of mine, Tim, we were kind of talking about this, just chat via Facebook. And, you know, it all goes back down to this is a heart issue. Like it really is a matter of the heart. Because, you know, you could look nice and kind and squeaky clean, but if your heart and you're thinking about praying on small children or recently I had someone, I was listening to the lady talk to me about her life and stuff. And she was telling me about, you know, a pastor like tried to take her out for the weekend um, and she kind of rejected his advances and and she kind of had like a leadership position at the church and it was stripped because she wouldn't go out on this weekend getaway with this minister and, you know, kind of left the, even though she did the right thing and walked away from it, like it was still painful and hurtful. And then even now she found out later that so many times later, like, Oh, that pastor that was trying to hit on this person is now in jail for sexually assaulting children. And you're just like, why is this happening in the church and why are there no safeguards or regulations? And I think the it all boils down to is if you have these regulations, if you have these safeguards, you know, if you have these man-made systems, yeah, they're going to help and it's going to make people sleep at night knowing that there's background checks and yearly background checks and that there's a policy on what to do when this stuff happens and, and everything else. But at the same time, it is a heart matter. And the only person who can transform and change the heart is God himself. And it's unfortunate that stuff like this happens in the church because we think of churches as places where people can learn about God, get close to God, and be transformed by God. But at the same time, when I walk into a church setting, I walk in saying – and with the attitude of, I want my heart to be transformed – I want to be molded. I want to be make it. I want to be a better follower of Christ than I was before I entered the church doors. And that's always been my mindset. And even in leadership, you know, it's always, what can I do to be a better minister? What can I do to be a better follower of Christ? Because that's always important. Because if I'm not being a better follower of Christ, I'm definitely not going to be leading my congregation to be better followers of Christ. I mean, it's that simple. Um, So it's disheartening. And, you know, I think – and the other thing that's disheartening is, you know, I always hear a lot of comments, and I've heard it in my church, the churches I've been pastor at, the churches I've been participants at, where any time when something like this happens, you know, it's like, well, you know, well, we're not Catholic or we're not Southern Baptist, so it's okay. You know, so stuff like that's not gonna happen here in our little tiny church or, or in our denomination. But the reality is is it can happen to anybody, it can happen to any church. And yeah, I know the spotlight's kind of on a big denomination of the Southern Baptists, or sometimes when there's some fallout, it's usually on a big evangelical mega church when some of this stuff happens. And I but the thing that bothers me the most is that, you know, even though we may say, well, it won't happen to me or it's not going to affect our church or anything, the fact of the matter is, it's like throwing a stone in a pond. Yeah, the big splash is going to hit right there, whether that's at the Southern Baptist Convention, but the ripples are going to go- move from that rock and go out to the other congregations, regardless if they're affiliated with that de- denomination or not. And the reality is, is when the world is seeing this, then they think, well, what's the point of going to church? Because it seems like there's more evilness and more deceit and more abuse of power that is happening in the church than in the world. So I'd rather stay at home where I know I'm safe, where I know my family's safe and not be part of a community, a believing community that says they love Jesus, but their actions say otherwise. So, I think it's important for those of us in, who are Christians is that we have to be very active. We cannot be passive on the issue of sexual misconduct and abuse. You know, if, if it happens, if you know something, even if it's, even if someone's making something up, don't just assume that, oh, well, they're making it up. Like, no, take every case seriously. Handle it with gentleness But at the end of the day, be firm about it and say, hey, if any of this is true, you're gone. And we're going to have to make amends, make an official apology to the victims. We're going to have to do something to kind of be in goodwill of making sure that those who were victimized by this perpetrator, that they're getting the healing that they need and not just, I will pray for you. And then that is it. Like, I mean, I think I remember one time there was a situation that happened and I can't remember, this is might've been just a story I heard in seminary where there was a church where something happened and the church leadership got rid of the person. It was just like a Sunday school teacher. It wasn't really like um, a pastor, or an elder, um, but a Sunday school teacher, someone who's teaching children, there was some, an incident that happened. Um, they basically called the authorities, uh, got this person out of the ch- house. And then what the church did is they actually paid for therapy for the family and for the children that were um, perpetrated on, and to me, when I see that, it's like okay. And I don't know if that family decided to stay and worship there or if they left and whatever. But the fact is, is that the church said, "Hey, we're sorry that this happened. We de- we regret everything that has happened. We're very sorry that happened to your family. We want to assist you in the healing process by." paying for your counseling sessions and making sure that, and basically no strings attached. We're not paying for, we'll pay for your sessions if you continue to stay and worship with us. But they said, Hey, we're going to pay for it. And if you choose to worship with us, you can, if you choose not to, that's fine too. We understand. Um, But we're really sorry. We love you guys. We're praying for you. And we want to make sure that you are healed from this matter in the name of Jesus. And I think that's very important. Um, so, yeah. And I think it's very important for those of us who are in leadership that if you don't have a child protection policy, if you have nothing written, um, as far as how to deal with sexual misconduct or what to look for, then you need to start looking for stuff. You need to start finding stuff. Like even, even at the church that I'm the pastor at now, like when I first came in there, they didn't have any policy. I mean, they did background checks, but that was it. And it's like, well, how do you identify abuse? How do you do this? So I, you know, I knew the church that I grew up in had a really good system on how to handle child abuse and what to look for and kind of the procedures and everything else. So I'm like, hey, can you send me your stuff because I want to try to write, a, write something based off of this that's going to work for my congregation. And sure enough, we did. I mean, it took three years, but we finally have something in place that really tells people this is who we are. This is what we believe. And here's our stance on and here's kind of the process if there's any sexual misconduct that happens. This is the process that goes. Um, and I think for those of you who might be listening who may, you know, may be a victim. Maybe you're, you're staying silent. You haven't said it, but you're kind of holding on to that. You know, my response is, is go tell somebody. And believe me, I understand telling someone is hard, you know. I mean, I've known situations where I've had friends who have went to go tell pastors something that was going on within their families, and instead of the pastor taking it seriously or addressing the issue, they just kind of ignored it, or they went and talked to the father and said, hey, you know, so-and-so said this, blah, 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 like just nonchalantly, and then the father says, oh, well, that's not true. It's like, oh, that's what I thought. I thought they're just, you know, wild Kids' imaginations, I guess. Then, but no, I mean, take everything seriously, um, you know. Because, and and if you feel like that, you can't go to someone within your own church because you're afraid that maybe they won't listen or they'll kind of sweep it under rug. Then go to a different church in the area. And I'm not saying like go attend a different church. Um, if you need to, then do it. But go to another person, to another pastor in the area, and say, "Hey, here's what's going on." It doesn't have to be in the same denomination, but anybody, because if there's going to be somebody who's going to fight for you and you feel like that you can't be vocal about the abuse that's happening in your life at your congregation, then go talk to someone else. Talk to a counselor. Talk to someone at a different church just so you can get the help, because the fact of the matter is, is the healing process cannot begin if you do not say something. Because all you're going to do is carry that weight, carry that pain, and there's no way of healing from that unless you go and you get it out and you say something about it. And again, you know, and for me, you know, I'm kind of on this weird continuum personally because, you know, in my life, I have seen where church leadership and Things that have happened in the church has caused a lot of pain that caused my family to leave the church for uh, uh, for about almost five to six years. We left the church and we didn't go to church because, you know, my dad said churches, us, us, people who go to churches are a bunch of hypocrites. And there was just a lot of pain in that situation. But then I've also, but then when we started going back to churches. I started seeing the healing side and what a true church can be and the healing power of Jesus Christ and what that can mean. And I think a lot of times is, yeah, even though when something bad happens in the church, it's almost like a someone just stabbed you in the stomach and you're just bleeding. You can't stop the bleeding. But I also see on the other side that the healing aspect of the church and being in community, true church community that are helping people, that are loving people, uh, that are not judging people, and especially helping them through the therapeutic process, that great things can happen wonderful things can happen. And I think it's something that, you know, when I've seen in my experiences, you know, there's always the good always outweighs the evil in the church. And yeah, churches are prone to sin just like I'm prone to sin. Um, but we have to be proactive. And again, you know, sin is always a heart issue. And, you know, we always have to address the heart. And if people are not being transformed by the Spirit and they're in leadership, then, you know, we have to do something to make sure that People are always, when they go in the church, they're excited to worship the Lord and they're excited that Jesus is going to come and empower them in unfathomable ways. So that's just kind of my rant on everything that's going with the SBC. Um, again, if you feel like that you have been abused or misconduct, please go find help, uh, seek counsel, but don't hold that on. Let it all out. Um so that is it for me. And again, if you have any questions about how to address any type of sexual misconduct or even need information on how to spot stuff, maybe you're listening, you go, I don't think our church has something. And if you feel like your church doesn't have anything on how to handle sexual misconduct, you know, bring it to your board of elders, bring it to your pastor, and make sure you have something in place uh, because it's gonna it's gonna do wonders for your church when you can address issues like that. Uh, right out of the gate. All right, and then one last thing is my uh, contest is still going on. Again, look at my Pinterest page. Um, it was in my last. It was in my last episode. Of my Pinterest page. Uh, look at all the Criterion movies I have seen. Let me know which one I should see. That's part of the Criterion collection. And if I pick your movie, you will get a free Criterion DVD of your choice. So, uh, yeah. So definitely. Uh, check that contest out, and I hope you guys are having a wonderful rest of the week. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.